a champion. What does it take to really truly be a champion? When you are in that position and competition shows up, be ready to fight. Be ready to fight. Be ready to fight for your life. Be ready to give it everything you got. Make sure what you are up against understands that you are there to do business. Make sure everything that you believe in stays with you. If you believe that you are a champion, then stand on it. Because that is ultimately what champions are made for. That should have you really pumped up to listen to a great sermon. That's all I'm going to say. That is a great hype video. Who's excited to be here today? Come on, Crossroads. It is summertime. We have a lot to be thankful for. Honestly, there's a bunch of cars outside. If you're glad to be here, honk your horn. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We're not sure. You have to get louder horns out there. Get some outer horns out there outside. Uh, listen, I am so excited at what God is doing here at Crossroads to be able to gather today and celebrate what he is doing. Uh, there's been some really fun things happening behind the scenes. I was at our Mishawaka campus last week, and guys, they are primed for the summer. We have so many unbelievable opportunities to connect with the city of Mishawaka. There's a great team in place, a great plan in place. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in our Mishawaka campus and in that community this summer. Uh, I just got a text from Remington. And by the way, can we give it up for Remington just bringing the heat last week? And doing a great job. I love Remington. He's a dear friend. Uh, yesterday I got a text from Remington. He sent me this picture. It's a picture of him and Rich. They're holding the first trophy ever for the first ever uh, Florida District Church of the Nazarene softball tournament. Uh, guys, Crossroads St. Pete campus annihilated our arch nemesis, Highland Park Church of the Nazarene, and they did a great job. So we're giving it up for a, yeah, give it up. Go ahead, clap for that. That's awesome. Uh, they had a great time doing that. And there was a bunch of new guys that came out to play. It's just, it's a great way to make a bunch of connections. Uh, and keep inviting people to a changed life. And our friends down in Nashville, they have a grand opening for their Crossbridge Connection Center. It's their restoration house that uh, is a Jesus-centered program that's going to impact thousands and thousands of lives over the course of next year. Their grand opening is this Thursday. Guys, let's give it up for them because that's amazing what's happening there. And we get to be a part of that. We are their church on Sunday. They, they join us in worship every week. We get to have an impact on those guys in Nashville every single week. And it's just so fun uh, to be a part of that and to see what God is doing everywhere uh, where we're we're, we're uh, in, ingrained in people's communities, and, and we're just celebrating changed lives, guys, because God is doing something amazing. And so here today, uh, what we're doing is we're, we're diving into this series, uh, week three of The Heart of a Champion. And before we do that, I just, I want to take a moment just to say a word of prayer with you. I, I've been praying uh, for the last few weeks this prayer for God's protection, uh, for his direction, and for his revelation. It's kind of a prayer journey that the leadership uh, of our tribe is part of in our, our Church of the Nazarene, the denomination that we are a part of. And I think it's something that we can rally around. And I just want to just open and lead you in that prayer today, that God would meet us here in a fresh new way and just guide us in that, that relationship as we take steps toward him. So would you join me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Let's just pray together as we start today. God, I just want to pause right now and just say thank you for being here, for being present with us here today, and to just pause and ask for your protection, God, for everyone who is gathered and joining us here today, who's part of our church family. God, would you just protect us? Would you protect our families? Would you fight for us and go before us? God, I just pray your protection over us today, and 
pray for your direction as well, God, that you would guide our steps, that you would fill us with your wisdom. God, I'm so thankful in scripture you ask, or you tell us that when we ask for wisdom, your wisdom, God, that you will give it to us. And so God, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your direction. We ask you to guide our every step and help us become the people that you have called us to be. And God, finally, I just pray for your revelation, God, that you would just reveal yourself today in a fresh new way, that you would help us to take another step toward you uh, and leave today closer to you than we were uh, when, we, when we arrived together. And so God, just move in us, work us, protect us, direct us, reveal yourself today, I pray. We pray this in your name and together we say, amen. Hey, now let's dive into week three of the heart of a champion. Uh, In week one, we talked about the importance of having a pure heart. Uh, If you want to impress God, I mean, we're all about impressing people in our lives, right? The, The most important person that you can impress, though, is God himself. And there's a way to do that. If you want to impress God, he's not looking at your outward appearance. I'm sorry, guy, going to the gym, that's great, but that doesn't impress God. God is impressed by a pure heart. That's a heart that is rooted in humility. That's a heart that is always trying to do its best just to say yes to Jesus. When God speaks and he's calling you to take a step out of your comfort zone or to, to, to surrender something in your life that's become a barrier between you and your relationship with him, that pure heart, that heart that's rooted in humility, that is the heart that impresses God. And we're taking a look at the life of David uh, throughout this series because he was called the man after God's own heart. That was his title. That was his legacy. So if you're going to learn about how to have a heart that chases after God, looking at the life of David is a great place to begin. And so what you realize about David is he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Saul was the king. He disobeyed God. God said, I'm I'm done with Saul. I've moved on and we're going to anoint the new king that's going to take over for Saul. And he told Samuel, it's one of the sons of Jesse. And so what happens? Jesse invites all of his sons to the party. Samuel goes before each of them and God says, nope, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Gets to the end of the line. He's like, Jesse, do you have any more sons? He's like, oh yeah, David's out in the field watching sheep. I totally forgot. I mean, he wasn't even invited to the party. And yet that's the guy. The guy that nobody looked at, you know, outward appearance, they didn't think he was the guy, and yet it was the heart that impressed God. I want you to know today that you can impress God with your heart. You just got to make that determination in your life. It's rooted in humility. When God speaks, my answer is yes. And that is what impresses God more than anything else, and you can do that. Last week we talked about how the heart of a a champion is courageous. It doesn't let fear keep you on the sidelines. It focuses on the faithfulness of God, and that's what David did. He led by example, right? He shows up on the battlefield where for 40 days Goliath has been taunting the the nation and the army of Israel, and he's taunting them one-on-one battle. The nine-foot giant, he's He's an invincible force, right? He's challenging them all to battle. No one, will tre- no one will take him on. They're all trembling in fear. David shows up as the lunch boy. He's like, hey guys, I got cheese. And then he sees Goliath taunting them. And instead of responding in fear like everyone else did, including King Saul himself, David sees the giant and says, who is this guy that he would defy the army of the living God? Like, who does he think he is? He has no chance That's what David was walking in, that that courage that comes from knowing you're doing what God has called you to. You're living into that purpose that God has created you for. David wasn't frightened by that. He had been anointed by God. He knew that God's blessing and favor was on him. He knew who God was and what God could do. So he sees the giant. That's what everybody else is focusing on. Nobody's focusing on God, and that's what David sees. And so what does David do? He goes down, long story short, throws the stone at that Goliath, hits him in the forehead. There's victory. All of a sudden, David becomes a legend. He has defeated the giant. He's changed the course for the the whole nation of Israel. And that's the moment 
where you realize God has given us this charge to lead with courage. He loves a heart that is filled with courage. Don't let your fears paralyze you. Don't let your insecurities keep you on the sidelines. Guys, let's rise up. Let's remember who we are. We're children of God, the promise that God has given us. And let's walk in the hope of the future that God has given all of us. Let's be courageous and lead the way for others. That's what God has called us to do. And so what happens next? In the life of David, that's what we're focusing on today. What we're gonna realize is that, man, if I've gotta keep moving forward, I can't forget it all starts with this premise of I've got to guard my heart. We're going to start every week of this series with this statement. You have to guard your heart because the devil does not like it when you take steps toward Jesus. When your relationship with him comes alive, you've got to guard your heart. Make sure that you're always tender to the voice of God. Guard your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Jesus spoke to this in the book of Matthew. He said, listen, it's out of the overflow of your heart that you speak, that, that your actions take place. That all comes from the place in your heart. So if you're filling your mind with things of the world, uh, things that don't please God, that is eventually what's going to overflow out of your heart. You got to make sure that you're filling yourself up with the things of God, that you're spending time with him, because when you fill yourself with the things of God, that is what's going to overflow out of your heart. That is going to determine who you are, your character, at the core of, of who you actually are. And that is the heart that is, impressive, that is impressing God. And what we're going to talk about today is this next chapter of David's life and the principle that we learn about the heart of a champion. And I would just say today with you guys, I think that the heart of a champion, it has honor. It starts by being pure. It continues by being courageous. But the heart of a champion, it has honor. And I would like to define that today, honor, as that ability to always make the choice that I'm going to do the right thing, the right way, no matter what. I'll say it again. Honor is defined today as I'm going to do the right thing, the right way, no matter what. Even when it's not, you know, immediately beneficial to me. Even when doing the right thing is, is not the easy thing. That heart of a champion that has honor, it's committed to doing the right thing, the right way, no matter what. And we see this lived out in the life of David multiple times. And I want to just circle these instances today because it highlights the importance of, of having that heart that has honor, but how we can do that and, and how we bring that to life in our own lives. So after David killed Goliath, all of a sudden he became a legend. He was actually braver than King Saul. He was the one who had the victory. And so as they're coming back from the battle, they're, they're walking through the streets. There's a parade. Everybody's cheering. Saul comes through. He's the king. And the crowd is chanting, Saul has slain his thousands. And then they see David. And David, his tens of thousands. That's what they're cheering, right? Like, that's what happens. Like, it crowd, you're watching the NBA playoffs. You hear the crowd, warriors, Warriors, which might just win the, the national championship again. You never know. But that's what the crowd's saying. They see David, they see Saul, and they're saying together in unison, Saul has slain his thousands. At which point Saul's like, yeah, I'm the man. And then he hears, and David his tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, that messes with Saul, right? Now all of a sudden, he's insecure. He's jealous. He's fearful. And why is that? Because King Saul himself, he knows that the presence and the blessing of God, that anointing that he was walking in, it has left him. And he sees very clearly that that anointing, that blessing, that favor has fallen on David. And so now Saul is coming from this place of insecurity, of jealousy, of fear, and David himself is walking in that blessing and favor of God. And so it creates this enormous tension. And it's magnified even more by the fact that David becomes part of the family. He marries one of Saul's daughters. So now this guy that hates him 
is, is his father-in-law, all right? So this is getting crazy, right? So it gets so bad that David will come in when Saul's in a bad mood and play his harp. The dude was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was good-looking. Some guys have all the luck, all right? But that's not the point here. David's playing his harp, and multiple times it says that David, in the presence of Saul, playing the harp, trying to calm his nerves, that Saul would get so angry and so jealous that he would pick up his spear and hurl it at David, like legitimately, literally trying to pin him to the wall, trying to kill this guy. And David would have to run out of his presence. It got so bad that Saul just had to send David out with a thousand warriors and go on all these war missions. And it says that every time he sent David out, he had wild success and all the people loved him even more. And Saul just got more irate and more envious and more consumed with jealousy to the point where he's trying to kill David, his own son-in-law. And there's this terrible tension that's happening. I mean, you might be sitting there going, man, I thought my relationship with my in-laws was rough. All right, this, this takes it to the whole another level, right? So how does David respond? Think about this. It gets to the point where Saul actually gets a, an army of 3,000 people to go find David and actually take him out. That's the goal of this army of 3,000 people. And we, we pick up in 1 Samuel 24 what happens here and how this turns out. It says, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. If you're wondering why that's important, that's how people got around before Google Maps, all right? Just proceed here. They were near the rocks of the wild goats. Then at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, see, that's how they used to get around. No, is that not working at all? Is that not, that's not good? Okay. <laughs> As they pass the sheepfolds, the, the, the brown sheepfolds or the rock sheepfolds? I'm just kidding. All right. As they pass the sheepfolds, Saul went in a cave here now to relieve himself. Do I need to talk about what that is? Do I need to talk about what's happening here or do we all, we're all on the same page? You guys need to know what's going on? No, you're okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Saul went, goes into the cave to relieve himself and here's what happens. David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. This is getting really awkward really fast. We think uh, David's down the road there by the sheepfolds past the wild goat rock. Saul's like, we'll go get him. He's like, hey, I need to take a break. I'm gonna go in that cave for a second. And that's the cave David and all of his guys are in. So Saul finds himself in this most vulnerable and awkward of moments. And of course, this is the response. His guys say, now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to, the, to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. This is extraordinary. Saul, the guy who's tried to throw a spear at you at least twice, who's now chasing you down with 3,000 guys specifically to find you and to kill you, he's sitting there <laughs> completely vulnerable, and his guys say, this is the chance, take him out. But the respect that David had for, for Saul, even though he's a terrible person, he's literally trying to take his life, the respect that David had for Saul's position was rooted in this place of honor. 
David himself, even though Saul's sitting there ready to be taken out, says, no, listen, I recognize that this is an unbelievable opportunity, guys, but this isn't the way that it's going to go down. I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm not going to take the shortcut. He's still the Lord's anointed. And can we just be honest? That's a really difficult place to be. When you talk about having honor, doing the right thing the right way no matter what. When you've got someone who's in a position of authority over you that's just terrible. They're the worst. Any chance you have to like to move that position around or get them taken out, you're like, yes, please, I will do that. But there is something about honor that speaks to your character. Being a person after God's own heart that no matter what says, no, I'm going to do the right thing the right way no matter what. I think those are the opportunities in life where our light can shine the brightest. Where we do the right thing the right way no matter what and it's completely unexpected. That's when your light shines. That's when people look at you and go, what? What are you talking about? And you say, no, I'm going to respect the person that God has put in authority in my life. I'm going to act with honor. You guys, I think God rewards that. I, I think that God blesses that, that God is faithful to us when we're faithful to him. It's not taking the easy way out. It's not taking the shortcut. It's doing the right thing, the right way, no matter what. I mean, if anybody had an excuse to take the shortcut and just say, you know what, I'm done with this. We're taking him out. It would be David. I mean, it was in self-preservation. He was trying to take his life. But David did the right thing the right way, no matter what. It comes from the respect. David honors Saul's position. So here's what happens. Saul leaves. He, he finishes doing what he was doing there. Uh, awkward. And uh, he goes out. And as he's leaving, that's when David comes out of the cave and says, Saul, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> What were you up to in there? Oh, yeah, I was in there. By the way, I cut off a piece of your robe. Hey, man, if I was really that terrible, if I was out to get you, it, it would have happened right there. And it says at that moment that Saul breaks down. He just starts weeping and he's going, what have I done? David, my son, I promise we're done here. And so they go their separate ways, right? Which is an amazing ending of that story. And you think, all right, Saul learned his lesson. He's done. Well, no, he didn't. He allowed his envy, his insecurity, his jealousy to take over again. And it says again in Scripture, he again started chasing after David. And again, he's trying to find him so he can kill him. And again, David gets this place where he sees Saul's army is camped out in the middle of an open field in the middle of the night. And, and David has this idea like, hey, I'm going to go and, and see what's going on. I just feel like God's telling me I'm going to go to the middle of the camp and, and see if we can't make this right. And they're going, what are you talking about? You can't go there. And finally, one of his friends is like, hey, I'll go with you. Like his friend Abishai, I'm like, I will go with you. That's like the, the elite unit. I mean, in the, back in the days, they called this elite unit Top Gun. That's what they were called. Nobody? Nobody's excited about Top Gun? Okay. They called this, some of you are, I can see it. So David and Abishai, they sneak into the village, into the camp, and, and this is what happens. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. I mean, again, completely vulnerable. There is the enemy that you've been chasing after that wants you dead. He's sleeping with his spear beside his head. Like, what is happening? Again, it says, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of that spear. I won't need to strike twice. But then David said, no, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? 
Surely the Lord will strike down Saul someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one who has, he has anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. Which, I mean, that would be the key idea right there. You're surrounded in the camp by all of your enemies. He's like, hey, this is a cool story, bro, but we need to get out of here. All right, we're surrounded. This is a bad place for us to be. So here's what happens. So David took the spear and jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at a safe distance. Then he shouted down to the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, wake up, Abner, right? Like, oh, Abner, time to wake, wakey, wakey. Another awkward moment. <laughs> Here we see the restraint, right? First thing you see is the respect. David honored Saul's position. And then you see the restraint. Even though he could have taken the easy way out, even though the shortcut was there for the taking, David chose to act with honor. Again, he did the right thing the right way, even when it wasn't to his immediate benefit. And there is something to be said about that level of integrity, that level of character. Again, in his mind, he's still saying, how could I stay innocent if I lay my hand on the Lord's anointed? I have to be the better person here. I have to take the high ground. And I think what you see in the life of David is that over and over, those were the decisions he made. He always took the high ground. He always did what was right. You talk about earning the respect of the people that follow you. You talk about letting your light shine, making a difference in, in the world that God has put you in. That's the kind of life you live. That life of honor, it leads the way for others to follow. It sets an example where people know that that is who you are. I'm going to be the person who does the right thing the right way no matter what. That's the highest level of quality of character. It's the highest level of life that, life that you can live. And God honors that. He honors that, that heart that chases after him and is committed to doing things the right way. I think it's easy for us to get caught up, especially in our culture, with the idea of just taking the easy way out, taking the shortcut, because it's like we all want that. Any, any shortcut we can get, like is there a YouTube video that can teach me how to get through this faster, right? Like it's a microwave culture, right? Like I get irritated that it takes a minute and a half to do my little thing of popcorn. Like, come on, man, hurry up. Commercial break's almost over. We're so like, ah, attention deficit disorder. Everything's gotta be right now. And we're looking for the shortcut. And, you guys, when it comes to our relationship with God, let's just be real here. There aren't shortcuts. It's, it's the daily grind. It's me saying yes to Jesus. It's me leaning into my relationship with him, spending time with him, reading his word, talking to him in prayer. That's how you grow in your relationship with God, joining the fellowship of believers, joining the church family, getting engaged and using your gifts and abilities. It's the discipline. It's doing the right thing the right way, no matter what. That is what God honors. And it'd be great if you could watch, like, you know, there's a, there's a 10 minute, you know, YouTube Bible study that makes you the perfect Christian. You're good to go, right? Like, no, that's not how it works. That'd be great, but it's not. It's like my fantasy of being able to do one sit up and having a perfect six pack. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's just not how it is. God honors, man. And he is faithful when we do the right thing the right way, no matter what. He honors that. And it's so easy to take the shortcut, right? One of my favorite stories growing up, this happened about 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, my sister and my dad, 
they decided they were going to get up on, on the Friday after Thanksgiving and go get the deal, right? Like Thanksgiving, one of the best holidays ever. I mean, you just eat, you stuff yourself, you watch football. It's one of the few days of the year where, you know, the Bears are playing the Lions. It's pretty sure they're going to get a win. It's like, this is going to be a great day. And that doesn't happen very often for Bears fans, so we just take it when we can. It's just a great holiday. And for me personally, after Thanksgiving, I'm sleeping in on Friday. I'm still in that turkey coma. I'm, don't touch it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm st still sleeping in my sweatpants, you know. <laughs> uh, that was too much information. So the reality is when they said, we're going to get up and go uh, shopping on Friday morning, their thing was they found like the deal, right? The door buster. Like this is a uh, 85 inch television for $4, be here at 6 a.m., you know, that kind of deal, you know what I'm talking about? And so it was back in the day, about 20 years ago, they're, they're going to be at Best Buy at six in the morning. And so they go there and when they arrive, my dad says, this is how my dad tells the story, the line was wrapped all the way around the building, hundreds of people in line that had camped out, there's tents, they've been over there all night to, to be the first ones in the building so they can get their $4 television, right? And so as they're walking in front of the store to get in line, my dad tells a story like this, as we're walking in front of the doors, the doors opened and they let the people in. He said, I was walking to the back of the line and your sister was gone. She went right in. She cut all those people off. It was the perfect moment. I'm going, that's incredible. That's my sister. My sister has no honor. Carissa Fisher. Carissa Fisher. No honor. Cut all those people off. If you were, you know, 15, 20 years ago at Best Buy waiting for the $4 television and they sold the last one right before you got there, you're like, no! That was my sister that did that to you. Carissa Fisher. She cut in front of all you people and took that out. She's at our St. Pete campus. That's Carissa Fisher. She's probably with you in St. Pete today. C-A-R- I-S-A, Carissa Fisher. <laughs> I laughed so hard just picturing that story. I could totally see my sister doing that. She's like, I got all the deals. Like, you are a terrible person. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what we do, right? We're looking for the shortcut. We're looking for the easy way out. And you guys, the heart of a champion, the heart that impresses God. Guys, it starts with purity. Like, duh, be rooted in humility. Never forget how much you need Jesus. Don't let your pride get in the way of that. Man, it leads with courage. Like, I'm not going to let my fears or my insecurities keep me on the sideline. I'm going to see God is with me. He fights for me. I'm going to lead the way for others. And I'm going to do that with honor. I'm going to do the right thing the right way no matter what. I think that when we show up on the scene with that kind of an attitude, that's when God shows up. And he does things that we never would have imagined possible because he's faithful. He walks through that valley with us. He fights for us. And when we honor him, I believe with all my heart, he brings honor to us. He's faithful. And it's not always easy. It's not always easy to stay the course when, man, it seems like other people are cutting corners and cheating and getting ahead of you. I, man, don't. Don't buy the lie. The devil's always going to try to tell you it's easier to cut corners and do what everybody else is doing. I'm telling you, the heart of a champion has honor. Stay committed to doing the right thing the right way, no matter what, because God is faithful and he honors that. Yeah, I have seen that time and time again. The shortcuts, the easy way out, it never leads to the place you think it's going to. That's the trap that the devil sets. It always takes you farther down that road than you, than you ever thought you would go. Don't fall into the trap. Don't, don't buy that lie. So here's David, he's yelling. He's like, Abner, hey Abner, wake up. You didn't guard your king. I have his spear. I have his water bottle. Where were you? I mean, this is really awkward. Again, this is twice. 
And again, what you see is David's men all see, again, he did the right thing. He did it the right way, even though it wasn't beneficial for him immediately. Saul's people are also seeing the way that Saul is operating, that he's chasing down his own son-in-law, that he's tried to kill him multiple times. People are watching. They see what's happening. They can tell who the Lord's anointed is. They can tell who's leading the charge. They can see that. And that's what happens when you lead with honor. And so here's what happens. It says, then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here's the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. Boy, that's, that's a powerful statement. Don't miss that. The word of David. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. I mean, you recognize what's happening there? I have lived with honor. Now, God, may you honor me with the same way that I've honored others. I, it's in line with a lot of other things that we see in Scripture. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The way that we live, the way that we act, the, the condition of our heart, it matters. It matters to God. So it says, then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, David, my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. That's incredible, right? Saul sees that about David. David May you be blessed. Surely you are going to triumph. Surely you are the Lord's anointed. Surely this kingdom is going to be yours. I mean, this is a significant moment. David has led the way. He's led the way with a pure heart, that heart that impresses God. He's led with courage, and now he's led with honor. And everybody is seeing that. His light is shining bright. He's setting an example for everyone to follow. And that can be you, and that can be me. In the, in the areas of life that we find ourselves in, whether it's our neighborhood, our community, our job, we can lead the way with a pure heart, with courage, and with honor. And when we do that, man, I'm telling you, people will take notice, and God is faithful. Even when you make that difficult decision, God is faithful. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. No, he shows up. God honors it when you lead with honor, when you do the right thing the right way no matter what. And I, I just encourage you to think about this final point. It's the responsibility, right? David honored God's plan. He knew he had been anointed. He knew that he was the chosen one. And even though that journey wasn't easy, even though he still had to fight, even though he still had to battle, even though he still had to prove himself, and that journey was difficult, he knew who he was in the presence of God. He knew what, what God's plan was for him. And I want to encourage you today that we can figure that out for ourselves too. We always struggle, right? We think, well, what's God's purpose for my life? Listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. If, if you can be committed to having the heart of a champion, if, if your heart is rooted in, in humility and committed to being pure, where every time God speaks to you, you just are willing to say yes, you're going to find yourself exactly where God wants you to be. There's not going to be a lightning strike moment where like, aha, I know my purpose. No, you're going to find yourself exactly where God wants you to be if you continually just say yes. I'm, I'm 44 right now. I have no idea what my future looks like or what God has intended for me. But I look back at my life and I realize all the doors that God opened that brought me to where I'm at right now in this moment were just the result of me being willing to say yes. I mean, there's no magic formula. It's just having a pure heart, staying humble, saying, God, I need you. And when he speaks, say yes. You're going to find yourself exactly where God wants you to be. 
And if you can do that with courage, step out of your comfort zone, even when it's difficult, when it challenges you, those are the times where God stretches you and and grows you and helps you become who he's called you to be. Make every one of those decisions with honor. Commit to doing things the right way, the right way, no matter what, and and God will show up. And I was reminded this week as I was thinking about putting this, this message together and what that looks like that, I mean, the ultimate hero that we have who led with honor is Jesus himself. I've had the, the privilege of being to the Holy Land and walking through the Garden of Gethsemane and, and there's, there's a rock there. I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane, it, it exists today. There's a massive rock there where they believe this could be the rock that they talk about in scripture where Jesus would have prayed and, and sweat drops of blood in agony knowing that he's about to be crucified. And, and you think about Jesus in that moment knowing this is what is about to happen to him. He's about to be beaten. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be killed in the most brutal and torturous way known to man and it's all in front of him. And at any moment, he can decide, no, I choose to not do this. This is too high of a price. I can't go through with this. But Jesus himself led the way with honor. He didn't take the shortcut. He didn't take the easy way out. He did the right thing the right way, no matter what, at the greatest cost, the greatest sacrifice. That, that's the example that's been set for us. I mean, you talk about the heart of a champion, Jesus leading the way with honor. So that's quite the example for us to follow. And we see that lived out in the life of David. And I want you to know today you can live that out too. Start where you are. Start where you're at. Make that choice. I'm going I'm to lead with a pure heart. Jesus, I need you. Whatever you're asking me to do, the answer is yes. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to be as courageous as I can, trusting that you're with me. And I'm going to commit to leading with honor. God, I'm going to do the right thing the right way, no matter what. Because the heart of a champion has honor. And so I just want to ask you today, are you leading the way with honor? Would you just consider that in your own mind? When others look at you, do they see someone who's leading the way? Doing the right thing, the right way, no matter what. I want to encourage you today just to recommit to being that person who lives with honor so that your light can shine in the brightest possible way and lead others to the the relationship and the changed life that we have in Jesus. And listen today. If you've joined us and you've never said yes to Jesus, I want you to know that when we talk about Jesus sweating drops of blood and agony, knowing what's about to happen, suffering and dying that death on the cross, I want you to know today that he did that so that you could have eternal life. He did that so that we could all be forgiven and set free. And because of what he has done, you guys, we have an eternal future, an eternal destiny in heaven with him. And I want to make sure that everyone who's here today knows that you are invited to that life. Every single one of us is invited to a changed life, that life that we, we can have in Jesus. He's the answer to everything we've been looking for. It's where we come from, our origin. He's our identity. We're children of God. He is our hope for our future. The answers to everything you're looking for are found in Jesus. And today, if you are willing to say yes to him, he will forgive you. He will set you free. And we celebrate that here as a church. And so I invite you as we close today, would you stand with me? Can we all together just say this prayer? And if you're here for the the first time or for the first time you're realizing this is a decision that I need to make I need to receive what Jesus has done for me I invite you in this moment to say this prayer and if if you say this prayer out loud if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord that you need him and you believe that in your heart this is a moment that changes everything this is a moment where you are forgiven and set free and I invite you to pray this for the first time with us let's all pray this prayer together Jesus I need you I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. 
come into my life, I will follow you, amen. And can we give him the praise and glory because he is worthy of all that today. He has forgiven us, he has set us free. And for that, we have everything to be eternally thankful for. And so if you're here today and you said that prayer for the first time, I want to invite you when we are dismissed, come forward in the room, talk to Keith. He's waving his hand. We would love to talk with you to give you a brand new Bible and help you take the next steps in your journey with Jesus. If you're outside, Stu is waving his hand right now. Come talk to Stu. He wants to talk with you, give you a Bible and help you take the next step in your faith because we believe that you have been invited to a changed life and that when you say yes to Jesus, it changes everything. And as we leave today, guys, I just want to encourage you, lead the way with honor. Let's have the hearts of a champion and live into the life that God has called us to. We're going to worship one more song together. But before we do, can we pray and just thank God for what he has done here today? God, you are good. And we are so thankful for the extravagant love that you have for us. And God, we just ask that you would give us the strength and the courage and the focus to just build the heart of a champion that you've called us to have in our lives, to lead with humility, to be committed to having a pure heart that just says yes to you every chance we get, to be willing to overcome our fears and insecurities, to lead with courage and live the lives that you've called us to. God, may we live those lives with honor. May we be a light that shines in the darkness, being committed to doing the right thing, the right way, no matter what. Because God, we know that when we do, we're trusting in your promise for our lives that you are going to be faithful, that you're gonna show up. And so God, we thank you. We praise you because you are good. And we pray this in your name. And together we say, Amen.